Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Fourth Quarter Lights podcast. It is Thursday, December 30th. We are one day away from the college football playoff semifinal games, including Alabama against Cincinnati and Georgia against Michigan in the Orange Bowl down in Miami. Not really going to touch on the Alabama-Cincinnati game. Alabama wins that game by at least three scores. Uh, 45-20 to 20 is my prediction in that game. I don't think it'll ever be close uh, or even a competitive game, and that is all I'm going to talk about on that one. Uh, however, the, the big game that everybody's talking about is obviously number two Michigan against number three Georgia down in the Orange Bowl. These teams are so eerily similar in terms of their offensive philosophies, their defensive strategies. I mean, they essentially run the same offense. They essentially run the same defense. Uh, There's just different strengths to each. You know, Michigan runs the ball a little bit better than Georgia. Uh, Georgia passes the ball a little bit better than Michigan. Georgia has more of a mobile quarterback in Stetson Bennett, whereas Cade McNamara, uh, he's not going to take off and run on you. Defensively, Michigan is a little weak in the middle. Uh, Georgia's weak in the back end. Both have great defensive lines. So it really is a, it's almost a mere matchup, and I think it is going to be a great game. It's definitely shaping up to be a great game between Georgia and Michigan. And and honestly, uh, you know, and at the end of this, I will put a score prediction out there. But there are so many ways that this game could go and, and so many different paths for each team to win this game and advance to the national championship. I mean, honestly, I think this game is, is a complete coin flip. And, you know, based on the polls and everything, I know I understand that UGA is uh, favored by 7.5 points, but if you go around and just go on Twitter and, and go look at these polls... Most people are actually picking Michigan to win this game. Forget what Vegas says. If you if you just ask people, if you just do these polls and go look at these polls, the majority of people are taking Michigan to win this game. ESPN put out a poll on Twitter a couple days ago, and, and they had the four playoff teams listed, and uh, you know they did a poll of which team is going to be the national championship at the end of this. Georgia was last at 18% of the vote. Cincinnati had 19% of the vote. Michigan was up there at like 33%, and Alabama was up in like the 60% range or whatever. So, I mean, people are not high on UGA, and I get it. You know, it's the same same old thing. It's, it's the same old song and dance. It's the same old Georgia. Have a great season, great recruiting class. You blow through the SEC East can't beat Bama, lose the big game, and now they're going to look at this one as the next big game that Kirby Smart's going to lose. And, and I get it. You know, and until until Kirby Smart can break that reputation, which we thought he did against Clemson at the beginning of the year, but turns out Clemson just wasn't an elite team. They, they were good. I mean, they went 10-3 and this year. They beat Iowa State yesterday. They were a good team. Clemson went 10-3. and Say what they are. It's like their 11th straight season with 10 wins or something. Clemson is a good team. They're not elite. So we thought that when Georgia beat Clemson earlier in the season that 
okay, this is Kirby Smart getting over that hump of not being able to win big games. You know, the old Mark Rick syndrome. But then Nick Saban stepped in and said, ah, let's bring you back down to reality, bud. And Georgia gets blown out in the SEC championship game. On the flip side, Michigan coming off a massive blowout over Iowa. It was like 42-3 to or something in that game. After then, you know, beating Ohio State the week before, Michigan was hot, and they are hot. Um, if this game would have been played the week after the conference championships, honestly, I think Michigan wins this game by two or three touchdowns. Michigan was so hot, and Georgia was down, that I, I honestly think Michigan would have blown out Georgia if the game would have happened to the following Saturday after championship weekend. Luckily for UGA, it didn't. You know, it's almost a month later now. We're talking like 27, 28 days after the fact. So Georgia has been able to, you know, re-motivate and re-energize their team, whereas Michigan has probably came down a little bit off of their high because they haven't played in a month. So I think that this break has certainly helped UGA in that aspect of, you know, okay, well, let's let's re-motivate, let's, you know, let's get re-energized and, and go show everybody what we can actually do and, and get back to what we did the first 12 games of the season. Whereas Michigan, you know, they were itching to play right away, and they know that this break uh, did not help them. But very, very similar teams. Like I said, Michigan probably a little bit better at running the ball. Uh, you know, Corum is a home run hitter. He can bust one at any time. Haskins is more of a inside the tackles, ground and pound, uh, you know, 25 carries for 100 yards type guy, whereas Corum's more of, you know, he, he might touch the ball 8 or 10 times and have 150 yards. Um, so Corum's definitely that home run hitter. You know, they've also got the, uh, the freshman, Donovan Edwards, which it was between Michigan and Georgia and his recruitment. Uh, he ended up going to Michigan. They've got Donovan Edwards that comes out of the backfield, but he's not running the ball. Um, he's, you know, he's pretty much strictly used in passing downs, uh, you know, running halfback screens and angles and wheel routes and everything else. And it's been very successful for Michigan uh, this year. So they have, they have really good backs. Um, and, you know, Cade McNamara, he's not going to light you up, but he's a great game-managing quarterback. He's not going to turn the ball over and, and throw three or four interceptions and cost you the game. Now, he's probably not going to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns and win you the game if you can't run. Uh, but it's it's nice having a quarterback back there that you know is also not going to lose you the game. You know, Georgia kind of had that with Jake Fromm for a couple years. Uh, where and he did end up losing the game to South Carolina back in 2019, but that was really the only game that Jake Fromm lost, uh, pretty much solely on himself, having four turnovers. But um, you know that was that was a fluke game. Jake Fromm was very good at, at taking care of the ball, didn't turn the ball over. On uh, Cade McNamara, same way, great game manager. He's not going to make bad throws. He's not going to put the ball in bad spots where it can be intercepted. Um, you know, he, he just, he does a great job. And similarly, you know, Stetson Bennett, he's a game manager quarterback. He, he's not, um, he's not going to throw for, you know, 400 yards and four touchdowns either. 
If he does, that means Georgia probably lost the game, as you saw against Alabama statistically, you know, his best game of the season with 340 passing yards and three touchdowns. Well, Georgia lost by 17 in that game because he had to throw it 40 or 50 times or whatever it was. But, I mean, Stetson, he he is a game-managing quarterback. He can make plays with his legs, which which is a big deal. He can scramble. He can get out of pressure. He doesn't have an elite arm, but he's got a decent arm. He makes bad decisions, but every quarterback makes bad decisions. So, I mean, to me, the the quarterback room is, is pretty much a wash, I mean, to be completely honest with you. I mean, just look at their stats. I mean, they have almost the same passing yards, even though Cade has started two more games than Stetson Bennett. And, I mean, I think he has, like, 100 more yards or something. Um, I mean, Stetson does have, like, 10 more touchdowns, but he also has three or four more interceptions. So, um, I mean, the stats are pretty similar other than the the touchdown ratio. Stetson does have 24 touchdowns. I think Cade has 15. But very similar there. I mean, and Georgia's got good backs, you know. They've got Zamir White. They've got James Cook. They've got Kenny McIntosh. Kendall Milton is expected to be uh, 100% for this game, which is huge. Haven't had him since, like, you know, week seven or eight of the season. So that's going to be huge. Georgia's got a good stable of backs. Um, and, and like I said earlier, you know, there's there's several paths here. And I'm going to jump into those paths real quick. If Michigan can run the ball against UGA, which, to be completely honest with you, nobody has been able to do this year. I think the most rushing yards Georgia has given up was to Florida. Uh, and it was somewhere around like 160 rushing yards. But, I mean, 60 or 70 of those rushing yards came from the quarterback position. You know, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson – you know, scrambling, running for, you know, 8, 12 yards here and there. Um, you know, I think their leading running back had like 70 yards. You know, I, I think Pierce had like 70 yards. In Alabama, I, I think they rushed for, you know, 120 or 130, something like that. I mean, they've, they've only given up 100 yards like two or three times uh, on the ground this season. I don't think any single player has rushed for 100 yards against UGA. I'd almost be willing to bet that they haven't. So, I mean, that's one path for Michigan, but I don't think it's a very likely path just because nobody has been able to run on Georgia. Kentucky is a great running team. They have a great offensive line. They have good running backs. That's what they are built around is being able to run the ball. They're top 25 in rushing offense and yards per carry and everything else. They had, like, less than 60 yards rushing against UGA. That's not an exaggeration. I can't remember the exact number. It's like 57 or something. They had less than 60 yards rushing against UGA as a team. Kentucky did. Top 25 in the country in rushing offense. Arkansas is top 15 in rushing offense. Held to less than 75 yards on the ground. Total. I think their starting running back had like 25 yards. So, I mean, really, the only two comparisons that we have as far as running teams is Kentucky and Arkansas because they're both in the top 25 in rushing offense, and and those teams barely combined for 100 yards total. Combined, both teams against UGA. So, I just don't see an avenue. Booger McFarland will disagree with me. I don't see an avenue where Michigan is going to be able to run the ball. Could they... Could Michigan run the ball 50 times for 
200 yards? Very possible. Is that success running the ball, though? Four yards a carry? I mean, maybe. But it's, it's not going to be like Michigan games have been all season where they're rushing for 350 yards and, and they've got two 100-yard rushers. I mean, if that happens, then this game's over and it's not even going to be close. Because if Michigan can run the ball, that's it. They're going to control the clock. Georgia doesn't have the offensive firepower to, to keep up and score. So if Michigan has success running the ball, that's it. But I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to take a very balanced attack for Michigan to win this game. Cade McNamara is going to have to make some throws. They're going to have to bust some big runs. They're probably going to have to make a play on special teams or in the defense to score points or to set them up to score points, which is very possible. With their edge rushers that they have, a strip sack, you know, very possible. So that, I mean, that's a balanced attack with a couple of bounces going their way is is an, a Michigan win. I don't think that there is a scenario where Michigan's going to come out and try to replicate what Alabama did because that's just not them. They don't have the quarterback. They don't have the wide receivers to be able to do that. They just don't. They're, they are a run-first team. If Cade McNamara comes out and, and that dude's balling and he throws for 300 yards, again, that's another avenue where you know maybe they exploit the the secondary like Alabama was able to. Um, and, and, I mean, if again, if that happens, Michigan wins. These are all paths. There are many paths for Michigan to win this game. I personally think that the paths are a little bit easier for UGA. But the paths are very similar. If Georgia can run the ball, if Georgia has success running the ball, not like they did against Alabama, 30 carries for like 110 yards or something. But if Michigan, or if Georgia can run the ball 25, 30 times for 200 yards, well, that's a whole different story. So, I mean, Georgia having success running the ball and kind of taking those edge rushers out of the equation with Hutchinson and Ajabo, not being able to pressure the quarterback, or even, you know, like we've seen a lot with Stetson Bennett this year, just throwing these halfback screens or these little dump-offs or bubble screens, you know, to Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey and James Cook. If those are successful, because those are quick plays, I don't care how good Hutchinson and Ajabo are, they're not going to be able to get pressure on Stetson Bennett on those plays. I mean, those are quick one, two second, and the ball's out. If if Georgia is able to hit on those, which I think they're going to be able to, because Michigan is weak in the middle. Their linebackers are they're decent. They're they are not Alabama. <laughs> they are not Henry Toto and and Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. They are not. So Mich- Georgia is going to be able to attack in the screen game, in the bubble screens, and out in the flats. Just the short little routes over the middle, slants, crossing routes over the middle. I think that's going to be there all day, which is Stetson's bread and butter. You close that down like Alabama did and you force, you know, having to go to the outside. Well, you see what happens. Stetson Bennett throws two picks. He had two more dropped. Should have had two pick sixes. Jordan Battle dropped one. But, I mean, if that's working for Georgia, Georgia wins the game. If the running game is working... And if Georgia's short passing game is working, game's over. 
if Georgia can get pressure on Cade McNamara defensively, force some turnovers, game's over. Georgia wasn't able to get pressure on Alabama. And that's where they have been so good all season is being able to get pressure on the quarterback to throw, you know, to force those bad throws and to force them into turnovers, pick sixes, strip sacks. I mean, there's been countless times where UGA has been able to take advantage of that. So defensively, if if Georgia's able to get to Cade McNamara, I think that's another avenue for UGA. There's a couple scenarios that I could see happening in this game, regardless of what path it takes. And this is this is all ends of the spectrum. Michigan could win in a blowout. Again, if Michigan is able to run the ball, it's going to be a long day for Georgia. And Michigan could honestly win this game something like 28-13, to 13, which would surprise a lot of people. Wouldn't necessarily surprise me because I'm saying it right now. Would not surprise me if Michigan won 28-13. to 13. I'd be pissed. But it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan won 28-13 or 31-17 or something along those lines. A multiple touchdown Michigan win wouldn't shock me. There's things that have to go their way. There's certain bounces that have to go their way. But it's possible. On the on the flip side, the very opposite end, it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia won by multiple touchdowns. If Georgia won 34 to 17 or 28 to 10, wouldn't surprise me at all. It just means that Georgia's been, hey, guess what? They got back to what they were doing the first 12 games of the season. They shut down the run, they got pressure on the quarterback, they for, for, forced turnovers, and you couldn't score on them. That's what they did the first 12 weeks. And then you have, of course, the scenarios of, of the close games where Michigan wins on a you know last-second field goal you know, to win 28-27 to 27 or... 21 to 17 or you know whatever scores late whatever and then the same thing for Georgia you know they they either hold on to the lead and and win by three or four points or you know kick a field goal and win many different possibilities in this game nothing would surprise me because these two teams are essentially mirror images of each other and it's just to me it's going to be which team makes the fewer mistakes and which team executes better on defense is going to be the difference in this game. I will put a final score prediction on this game. And I think Georgia wins this game by a score of 24 to 20. I would be I would be surprised again and I went back and forth. I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia won in a blowout. Um, but based on my score prediction, I think Michigan could very well cover that seven and a half point spread. I think that spread is a little bit too big. Three and a half point spread, I think, would have been more in line, maybe even four points. But three and a half makes the most sense to me. Seven and a half is a little bit absurd. I just, in my prediction, I don't see Georgia covering that. Again, it's possible, would not surprise me. I just don't personally see it. I see Georgia winning this game something like 24 to 20. It could be 24 to 21, it could be 27 to 24, it could be 30 to 27, it could be 20 to 17, but I see Georgia winning by less than a touchdown is my point.
I know I will be watching. I hope everybody else enjoys the game tomorrow. You will definitely be hearing from me again. But I wanted to get on here and do a quick Georgia-Michigan Orange Bowl preview and prediction. I appreciate you listening. Have fun. Stay safe for the new year. Go dogs. We'll talk to you soon.